Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. Oh man, let's rehumanize the hiring process along with the workplace. We don't hire for human competency, but we hire for skill set. Our language is inhuman, and in spite of a very real experience of us working with humans, people want a connection and authentic interaction. So we need to understand what makes you, you. People have choices, and your company is just not the prize anymore. Sorry to say, guys. <laughs> Learn everything that's humanly possible about everyone you do business with. That's our quote for today. And uh, any guests who might have said that, Miss Tevis Trower? <laughs> Harvey and McKay. Am I yes, <laughs> you are spot on. And Harvey, uh, as we all know, is the guy who wrote Swim with Sharks. And I like sharks, so uh, hey, one of my favorite books. <laughs> I'm Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. Our mission is to identify a specific problem and provide te- proven tactical solutions to solve your company's toughest hiring challenges. We share insights from top-performing rebel entrepreneurs, disruptors, and industry experts like our guest today, Ms. Tevis Trower. She's the CEO of Balance Integration Corporation. Tevis is a pioneer in optimizing corporate cultures and has been healed as a corporate mindfulness guru for the new millennium. I want to be a guru for the new millennium. How do you get that title? <laughs> I cringe every time someone reads that in my bio. I should really check it out, honestly. <laughs> uh, wow. Tevis has coached powerful organizations raising from Disney to Morgan Stanley and optimizing their most precious assets, human beings. And uh, she's headlined executive events with the Harvard Business Review, Bloomberg, Google, and has been uh, featured in media outlets like Forbes, Business Week, Fortune, CIO, and you have to add the Higher Power Radio Show and Podcast onto here, <laughs> which makes her <laughs> our perfect expert for today's topic. Tevis, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. Happy to be here. Thank you, Rick. Yes. All right. So I'm excited. We're going to rehumanize the hiring process, which it needs to be done, right? So somebody's got to do it. We're going to start here. Or less, right? In 30 minutes or less, we're going to do that. <laughs> yeah, it's going to probably be about 10 minutes. All right. <laughs> but if we can accomplish just a little bit, then I'm happy. How about you? I, I'm in. All right, cool. So we're going to cover why it's important to rehumanize the hiring process. We're going to talk about changing the mindset by shifting the language. And then we're going to talk about the formula for a successful shift. So... Why do we even need to uh, rehumanize the hiring process? Yeah, right? Like everyone's talking about AI. I mean, Why don't we just just have a bunch of computers, a bunch of robots do the whole thing? Right, Rick? I mean, there's got to be a good combination of both, I think. But the fact <laughs> well, is that AI can't really hire somebody, can it? Well, um, not yet. So far, no. Um, there, there are definitely people that are working on um, on AI assessment tools, but um, so far, the jury is that I've heard of is is out that that actually drives up efficiency. Um, but I think it's a good question. I mean, why does it matter, right? Um, yeah. That we humanize the hiring process. It's kind of funny that you got to ask yourself if if everyone's talking about humanizing the work experience, right? That um, 
that the expectation, and rightfully so, the expectation, the more hours we're giving to work, the more, um, the more of our life it consumes, especially with 24-7-ization of, of accessibility um, to us as a worker. The question is, at what moment does the work experience begin? And I think you and I... Ooh, I know, I know. You. Pick me, pick me. Pick you. When does it begin? It begins at the first interaction with the company, even when they read your job description or somebody reaches out to you. That's when you need to start. Exactly. Yeah, I'm glad you picked me. Thank you. Well, <laughs> gold star for Rick. Woo! The funny thing, you've read eight zillion job descriptions. I've read eight zillion. Everyone paying attention to this podcast probably has. Sure. And you got to ask yourself, how many of them actually sound like a human being? Yeah, none of them. They all sound like most job descriptions. You, I need five years of this, four years of this. You'll be doing this, that, and the other thing. And um, here's a gallon of homogenized milk. Go. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> and it might even be powdered, right? At that, I mean, the, Formula. The, who, who wants to be treated that way, right? Well, apparently we, we all, we think that everybody does. How do we come across as being human? And why is this appropriate in business to be human right now? How do you feel when you're treated like a number of years of previous experience? How do you feel when someone looks at you as a title? Right. Um, how do you feel when you're standing right in front of someone and all they see is age, race, gender, status, um, something external to who you are? Any human being, it doesn't feel good. God, you know what would be really cool is if you can just look at each person and see their brain scan. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't they say that eyes are the windows of the soul? I don't think they say eyes are windows to the brain scan yet. <laughs> But that may be coming with some new some new glasses uh, from Google, I'm uh, sure. I'm going to have to write that down as an upcoming episode. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> it's a great idea. Well, um, so what's kind of funny is, is that being human with one another, it's kind of the most natural thing there is. I mean, you see two kids on a playground and they say, hey... Do you want to play, right? Um, or they just start. They don't even ask each other. And when you look at the work world, I mean, we really condition ourselves by grooming ourselves to have these skill sets. We groom ourselves to fit into a job description, right? And it starts really, really young. Studies on creativity really bear out that we start to kind of dumb down our humanness as young as the age of two. Really? And yeah, it's, it's frightening. Creativity so that, studies show that the slide down the scale of creativity actually starts around the age of two. <laughs> so we're creative until we're two. So I need to hire more two-year-olds is what you're saying. <laughs> you probably have a better time, Rick. I mean, I don't know who you work with now. I'm sure they're fun. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, I think they're fun, but they probably don't think I'm that much fun. Really what we're doing is we're talking about a shift in mindset. Why is it important to change the mindset? Well, first and foremost, I mean, if we've been dumbing ourselves down to take ourselves to work, I mean, everyone's talking about employee engagement. And if one more person quotes the Gallup study, I think all of us are going to throw up or something. So oh, you mean the one that says 71% of people are disengaged <laughs> yeah, yeah, in the yeah, current yeah, yeah. I didn't yeah, we, say it. 
No, you did. You did. Blah. No, I'm joking. Um, so, so there's a reason for that, and that is that um, that imposter syndrome is not just because we're not the dominant class, right? The power structure within the organization. It's actually because most of us are parking so many aspects of ourselves, our passions, our personalities at the door because we think we have to to fit in, and that's just a recipe for really dead corporate culture. It's a recipe for burnout, um, low. Low contribution, no fun, no well, passion. It's not the two-year-old. Let me back up. does not do that, Rick. <laughs> so you mentioned imposter syndrome. What is that? Imposter syndrome is when we feel like a fake. When there is some part of ourselves that when we go to work, we don't feel that we're truly self-expressed, that we're truly being authentic. And is that due to a lack of creativity or ability to tap oh into your creative God. side? Well, well, that's that's a medium step. I would say the lack of creativity, the lack of authenticity actually comes from fear. Hmm. And fear comes from feeling like if we don't conform, if we don't check X, Y, and Z boxes and be like the cultural assumptions we bring into what the organization is, then then we're not going to be safe and we're not going to be accepted and we're not going to succeed. Yeah. And when you go into that part of the brain, it triggers that fight or flight syndrome. Then that's when you close up and run away. Crawl yeah, under the desk feel- and cry. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> run into the bathroom and get into a stall and stare at your social media for some kind of affirmation. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you're going to hire someone, the arguments I've heard is that it takes about two years to get someone up to speed, right? Oh, I don't know if it takes that long. Well, according to Columbia University. It takes uh, two years? Two years to truly get someone up to speed. God, that's Culturally a huge time to, investment. It, it's a huge time investment. And not only that, but let's say most real working teams are somewhere around 10 to 20 people, right? Think about the cultural impact of one shift in personality or one unengaged or poorly connected oh, it's huge. Uh, personality. If yeah, you have one person who's disruptive, I had a team when I built one of my first companies up that we were doing okay, but we had one person on the team that wasn't a team player that was very counterproductive to everybody else. That person quit. And the moment that person left, the production of the team went up 300%. Oh, my God. I'm actually not surprised. And completely avoidable, completely manageable by creating a hiring process in which the human beings doing the hiring are present and human with who they are talking to. That poses another question. I mean, really, when you when you think about the hiring process, you're hiring a human being, you're not filling a seat. You're bringing that personality into your culture and that personality should enhance your culture rather than just, you know, suck away from it. Well, yeah, we talk about a culture all the time and we have all these uh, cultural statements and mission statements and, Mm -hmm. and then we have cultural programs and policies, et cetera. But the reality is that culture happens by virtue of what kind of conversations are we having. And when our conversations don't encompass the humanity inside of us, you've got to dead work experience. And I know that in a talent economy, which is what we've got, if I've got the skill set, I've checked all those boxes and I'm choosing between a company that makes me feel like a human being and feel like who I am is a contribution. I'm going to go there over someplace that all they know how to ask me is where do I want to be in five years? (laughs) One of my favorite questions of all time. To humanize the recruiting effort means touching people and talking to people. 
too often we judge people based on a piece of paper what is on a resume rather than taking the time to make the phone call to talk to the person to find out whether or not they're good. And as a result, a lot of companies end up hiring the wrong person or, or passing on really, really good people. You're listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. I'm your host, Rick Gerard. And right now on the phone with us today is Tevis Trower. She's the CEO of Balance Integration Corporation. So we're talking about how to rehumanize your recruiting and hiring efforts, shifting the language so that we can begin to shift the mindset. Because this is something that you uh, taught me and I was really impressed by. I loved it. So enlighten us. Yeah. Everybody take a deep breath. Um, So a lot of our language um, within HR and within corporations is really inhuman, right? Um, So we do spend all this money to create a value statement, et cetera. But meanwhile, so much of our language is around human assets. Well, it's almost like we separate the humanity from the recruiting process. If you have a whole different language about recruiting. So it's not really a opportunity, it's a job description, right? Or it's not oh, a person count. that you're hiring. Yeah, or a headcount, right? It's not it's really... Headcount. It's a seat. It's, it's a role. When you're uh, hiring people, you call them candidates. Well, which is kind of funny because you think about what makes someone feel seen and valued. Like you walk by a baby carriage. It's not like you're going to bend over and say, what a fabulous little candidate you're going to be one day, right? <laughs> like, 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 it's like, it's like, Maybe we should. It? Well, <laughs> that would be horrible. Now I feel bad for the two-year-olds, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> but this whole notion of headcount, seat, right, um, it doesn't really talk about this is a work community. This is a, cute, this is a community of human beings who come together to get stuff done. There are a lot of companies in tech that define their culture and build it that way, and I think that they do humanize it pretty well. But I don't think it's permeated out to the rest of the world yet. I think it definitely has not. And I think that why not that well because we still have a lot of corporate structures where the notion of of humanity has been relegated to HR right the notion of the work experience has become a ta- or has always been a task that someone in benefits or right someone a generalist is supposed to clean up all the messes that that happen because of our business practices and until you start to see within broader corporate structures that the task of being human is not just HR's job, it's everyone's job. I think that's going to persist. All right. So how do we do this? How do we do it? How do we shift it? The audit of the language obviously comes first. And I think that um, that we create a job description oftentimes in partnership with HR um, and we talk to our team. I think it's really interesting when we talk to our teams about who do we need that a question of who. Who do we need, right? And it's a question of we. It's not just um, something that's created in a vacuum. So being able to really audit it with that in mind, I think is important. And then throughout every step in the hiring process, you should be paying attention to the language that you're applying to it Um, because these are humans um, and your humans are going to be judging the human that you bring in. So Um, I think you hit on something really interesting there. It's who do we need, not what do we need. Because what do we need is typically the question that's asked. Who do we need? And then follow it up with why. Why do we need that? Exactly. Exactly. And I think when you can hit that, you're you're in a really good spot. Yeah. So 
So the language audit kind of sets you up to audit your thinking. And I think this is kind of a soul-searching thing, right? That if we're the hiring manager, we need to ask ourselves, who do I love working with? Beyond beyond the fact that they do their job well, who do I love working with? Because what that does is it automatically gives us a gestalt, right? Like a felt sense of what the impact is of really having a human connection, right? Not just a candidate, right? But a peer, a colleague, maybe a friend, but they don't even have to be a friend. They just have to be someone that we feel like we can be human with. So by starting to think about what is it that brings that element of of being alive and being vibrant at work, who embodies that when I get to work with them? Well, that can be dangerous, though, because then... Doesn't that get into diversity? Because you want diversity in thinking. You want you want people who maybe aren't necessarily what you normally would picture as being the person that would provide that, I don't know, maybe energy that you want or what have you. You don't want 17 of the same person. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's like, how googly are they? We start to build an echo chamber. Well, I think that's why it's really important um, to not hire just for liking, right? We aren't talking about liking someone. But that's what happens. People hire because they like somebody or they have common interests. Yeah. So the questions I start to set forth, right, when I go into the interview process and work with clients is how do we look at what qualities in a human being, not specific hobbies, right, but what are the qualities that make us admire someone, that make us want to talk to them? Again, we don't have to like them or be friends with them, but it can be the relationship is such that there's something about being in their presence that brings us to a higher level. And I think that's a question we have to ask about the people around us. It also has to be a question we ask about ourselves, right? What is it about myself that I love that I can bring to work every day? Like what parts of my personality am I really happy that I get to express? Now, This isn't to create a rubber stamp. I think you brought up a great point about that, Rick. It's not to create a rubber stamp. It's more to remind ourselves of what it is that makes us human so that when we walk into that conversation, we're not just connected to the person on paper, right? We talked about the resume versus the eulogy, right? So there's the resume set, and then there's the eulogy, what makes you really an amazing human being. And for us to connect to that in ourselves before we go into that conversation is going to help us bring that alive in that conversation. What parts of myself make me happy at work? Okay, I can see that. When you analyze what you need or what you like, you should look at what the gaps are. We don't have somebody who's this. Maybe we should look for somebody who fills that gap. Not necessarily on the skill set perspective, but on the mindset that brings a different perspective to the team. But it's, it's all dependent on what the team needs as opposed to what they want. Sometimes those are two very, very different things. So if we're looking at the breadth and depth of the person, I'm going to shift gears real quick. So we're talking about really core values alignment, right? Yes. Okay. The other thing, just kind of a third step or a third aspect of putting this into action is um, we get into the interview process and a lot of times there are moments of authentic connection. There are moments where that person is speaking from their heart and we're really aware of it. And a lot of times we're so on autopilot in business brain that instead of slowing down 
and making time for that conversation to unfold a little bit. We kind of barely acknowledge it, and then we rush right along to the next question that we have on our list. Yeah, and um, the level of depth in an interview process is very shallow in most cases. Yeah. yeah. So, All right, so what would be your key takeaways here that you can give our audience that they should focus in on to rehumanize their company and their hiring process? Yeah, do the audit, tune into your own humanity, what's your human work experience, and then slow down the interview process so that there's more room and space. I've got a couple. I've got two favorite questions that can... All right, really quick, because we're running low on time. What are those two questions? Okay. (laughs) Two questions are, um, ask them what brings meaning to their work and to their life. And the second question? Easy way to shift gears. Second, how do they find joy? How do we find joy? I like that. Yeah, most adults don't make a lot of time for joy, so you can learn a lot about someone. Joy or gratitude, right? Yeah. So I want to, oh man, we're almost out of time for today's show, Tavis. Um, Thank you so much for your time investment today, and I want to welcome you to the Higher Power Radio community. Now, I'm sure some of our listeners would love to find out more about you or reach you. How do they find you? They can find me on Twitter at Corporate Yogi. They can find me um, at www.balanceintegration.com. I'm on Facebook under the same, and you can also get us on LinkedIn. So we're pretty much everywhere. All right. Well, I want to thank our listening audience for tuning into this week's episode of Higher Power. Quick thanks to our team, our engineer, Paul Roberts, our producers, Andrea Ballin, Shanti Ryle, and Ayla Gerard. She's our creative director since she's a little over two. If you're listening to the podcast, <laughs> please subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, we need your feedback to up our game and uh, bring more highly valuable content to you. You can join the Higher Power Radio community at higherpowerpowerradio.com. Or you can follow me on Instagram because I only have like 33 followers on Instagram at Rick Gerard one. Tune in next week. Our guest is going to be Eric Huberman. Eric is the founder and CEO of Hawk Media. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power with Rick Gerard on OC Talk Radio. 